on the bounce. I'm your host, Coach McGraw, and I'm joined by my co-host, Coach Coleman, and we are bringing over 20 years of combined coaching experience for your listening entertainment. Today on the podcast, we have head coach Ryan McCarthy from the University of Alaska Anchorage. Ryan is the winningest coach in Division II um, college basketball right now. He actually has a record of 221 and 36 in eight seasons at his college. Uh, He's a five-time coach of the year winner, and he's someone that I've gained a lot of knowledge from when I went to the Las Vegas clinic a couple years ago. He's a guy that understands basketball. He gets it. Just talking to him for 15, 20 minutes, you can become a better coach. Um, He was really good on the podcast, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And with that, here's head coach Ryan McCarthy. So, Coach, this is uh, Coach McGraw. I'm I'm the co-host with uh, Coach Coleman. And once again, thank you for for being on. Um, Just wanted to get a little background on, you know, where you've been. I I looked up your your background. Um, You've had great success. I think it's amazing what you've done there with that program. Um, But if you could just give us a little background on on your coaching experience, kind of where you come from um, and how you got into uh, coaching in the game of basketball. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I was a player um, in high school and college and then played overseas a little bit um, professionally. And, and uh, I got to the point where um, it was in my second season that uh, I didn't, I didn't want to end up being a, like a couple of guys that I had seen over there that were, you know, in their 30s and were playing. And I kept thinking, you know, what are these guys going to do? when they get back to the States and they have no job resume. (laughs) So I went to the, um, the owners and I asked them if I could volunteer to coach the amateur team affiliated with the club. And so um, they let me do that. And I thought that would be kind of a way to build a resume because I ultimately wanted to be a coach. And, um, that, you know, we, we had good success and I kind of um, started to have a passion for coaching and, and thought that, you know, this is this is ultimately what, you know, I, I want to end up doing from a professional standpoint. And I applied to as many colleges as I could. Okay. And I, and I kind of thought I was going to end up on the men's side. Um, right. And I, I never thought about, you know, um, coaching women's basketball. And so um, I ended up getting the women's assistant position at, uh, my alma mater, and um, that was kind of how I got into it. You know, they gave they gave me a chance. I, I got to um, fill a lot of roles because it was a small Christian Division two school. Okay. And um, then I kind of got lucky at, at UAA. I don't even think I was their first choice. Um, I applied for the job because I'd grown up in Alaska. And, you know, I had some connection to the university a little bit, and okay. um, they hired someone. And it didn't work out within like the first three or four weeks and they gave me a call out of the blue and nice yeah that's kind of how i got into it good deal i mean alaska it's it's definitely uh it's it's probably a unique experience i would think yeah it, it definitely is you know um i was i was somewhat familiar with it you know growing up here and i grew up watching the great alaska shootout all the big time teams that would come in for the, the men's tournament. Nice. Um, so that that was kind of a school that, you know, as I grew up falling in love with basketball, this was the place that I, you know, could really relate to. 
Um, and I think it's helped me from a recruiting standpoint, but it's, yeah. it's a unique place. I mean, we, we have probably one of the nicest arenas in the country at any level. Definitely. And we have great support from our, from our administration, our, our city of Anchorage. You know, I think we outdraw every men's division two team in the West as That's well awesome. as the women. So, um, it's a pretty special place to be. Good deal. And I think, uh, I don't know if Coach Coleman told you a little bit about our show. We're, we're just starting up. We're both, you know, seasoned high school coaches here in California. You know, he went to your clinic um, and, and, and heard you speak. And, you know, I think it's great to, to have perspectives from all over the country. And especially in your situation, it's very unique. And I think you shed a different light on things. And in looking at your background, it doesn't look like you coach high school, so you just jump straight into the college ranks. Is that correct? Yeah, I just <laughs> I got lucky, man. I, I honestly, my dream going out of high school or high school out of college, you know, was to play pro, and then I was I was going to be cool coaching high school at a small high school and just living down a dirt road. I would have been perfectly happy. That's yeah, pretty much us. Change. Yeah, that's us. You just described our whole life right there. <laughs> I, yeah, I would have been totally happy, man. But um, you know, this this is the road that I got led down, and you know, I'm just I'm really really fortunate. Definitely, and I'm sure coaches told you about our show. We're we're basically, you know, we thought of having a show, and and you know, a lot of a lot of coaches out there have shows about the X's and O's of basketball, and you know, we hear it all the time from different people, and, and it's a excellent learning experience and and there's people that do it so well you know most of our focus is on the day in and day out that we deal with as coaches the things that people don't see um, the experiences and the challenges that we have that most people don't understand that we go through they just see how we put on the great face put on the nice suit you know walk the sideline and call plays Um, so that's kind of the, the, the basis of our program and, and, and for our listeners. And so it's, it's definitely good to have a perspective that's a little bit, you know, more advanced in terms of experience being at the collegiate level, you know, looking at your resume. I mean, you've absolutely done a great job. Um, I was actually floored. I don't care what level it's at, but to, to have the type of uh, success that you've had, you know, starting off, uh, you know, I don't know what the program was like, but I can tell you, you don't lose too many games, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I came into a really unique situation. Um, when I got hired, um, two guys before me had gotten fired, and I got hired in August, like probably a week before classes started. So right. my yeah. first recruiting class was three intramural players <laughs> um, so, that, so that we could go five on five. Yeah, I, I legit, I... Uh, you know, it was it was too late to get anybody in. You know, we were kind of messing with some transfers and stuff to try to see if we could get them in, and right. um, it didn't work out. So I I went, you know, um, I just, I just thought like, holy smokes, you know, we we gotta we gotta go get the tallest kids we can find in their mills and just ask them if they understand like the time <laughs> commitment that this is gonna take. Right. And it was crazy. You know, we we ended up getting them. And we were able to go five on five for most of the season. Um, in practice, and um, we ended up upsetting North Dakota State in the Great Alaska Shootout that year. We beat them by like twenty-seven. We awesome. one of those games where everything went in. You right, know, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it, too much of it was we were moving the pieces or anything like that. Um, you know, we just we just hit shots, 
and uh, and then we you know we had to go out and we had some pretty crazy recruiting trips that year. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun to build it. Now, when you say crazy recruiting trips, okay, what what do you mean by crazy recruiting trips? <laughs> so we okay, so we um, in the summertime typically. Uh, I do camps up in the Arctic Slope, and and there's no okay. runways, there's there's nothing. You you get on like an eight seater plane and you fly down on like a, a gravel. I mean, I, I technically yeah. it's a runway, but it's it's just a gravel road. It's awesome. And there's no like there's no air traffic control guy. <laughs> you know, it's just you you land, they come pick you up in four wheelers and they take you to the gym. And that was kind of similar to um, one of our recruiting trips that we had to get this kid. Um, she ended up being one of the best three-point shooters in the country the year that we made the um, national tournament. Right. Um, but we, we've had a couple where we, you know, we fly in. It was it was just it was pouring rain, and they um, they fly me in. I have a couple guys on ATVs, and they <laughs> wow. pick me up and we go into the gym, and it is just packed. Like the whole village is shut down because in most of the villages, there's no there's like maybe one store that yeah. you can kind of get a little bit of everything at. Where like okay. peanut butter is like fourteen dollars or something, <laughs> and and that's it. There's no road signs. There's yeah. nothing. And they just took me to the gym, and I tasted like muktuk, which is like whale blubber. Okay, um, I've heard I of that. Tasted seal. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Good deal. Well, 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 I was I was telling Coach that I actually lived in Soldotna for about seven years when I was growing up. So I know exactly what you're talking about with the plains and with the dirt road. I was 50, 50 miles out of Sedona on Funny River Road out there. Um, so, oh yeah, I, I grew up out there. I played hockey. You know, I actually didn't pick up a basketball until I moved to California when I was in like fifth grade. Um, but And I looked around. I was like, where the hell is the hockey rink? Like, well, where, where am I right now? I, I moved out in the middle of Nevada, and I was just, I actually lost like 30 pounds over a summer. My brother still has a picture of me because I was so big from living up in Alaska and then coming down, and they'd always make fun of me at like Thanksgiving and stuff about how big I was. Um, but I've, I've, I've ate all that food that you were talking about. I, I know that whole experience. I, and I, I would love, I love hearing that stuff about Alaska because basketball has got to be one of those things where it's just very localized and it's got to be hard to find some athletes up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. It's, it, there's not many people here and there's a, a large area to go find them. So if they're not in the Anchorage area, I mean, we, you know, we've got all of, we've done, we've done Kodiak Island and yeah. then down there and we've been, you know, all the way up to uh, Barrow, Alaska, which is actually like one of the biggest, um, the biggest villages. We, the smallest one we went into was one called Point Lay, and they had just killed a whale, and oh. so they were like kind of finishing up their whaling season. <laughs> it was pretty wild. That's insane. So, so with it being so isolated and you having such great success, would you? Are most of your players actually from Alaska? My, my assumption is yes. Um, no, um, I would say probably, you know, on an average year, we're going to have four Alaskans on our team. Okay. Um, you know, we, we do our best to try to keep, you know, the best kids here and we're, we're kind of at a point where I think a lot of the, the better players want to be in our program, but our main pipelines right now, uh, are the Bay area, um, like Oakland, um, San Francisco and, um, Hawaii. Coach, and don't tell them your secrets. We've, <laughs> we've uh, we actually have a lot in common with Hawaii, and really? uh, I I love making 
recruiting trips down there too. So, um, <laughs> right? Those are kind of our, our two main areas. Um, so Hawaii, California. Um, it's it's interesting you say Hawaii because we actually uh, co- coach and myself. We went out to uh, we took our team out to Spanish Springs in Nevada. Um, and we played a tournament out there, and the team from Hawaii was so connected and played so well together. They ended up winning the tournament, um, but it, it was just a, a different style than we see here in California. Um, it just seemed like all of the players that they had were on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, uh, I like them because they can all handle the ball, and I think, you know, especially at the college level, that's one thing. If you, can, if you have a team that can press people, you can expose the, the so-called p- positionless player that basketball is trying to go to right now. Okay. If you can press a team, that makes them have positions. <laughs> so, because so many people say, oh yeah, my four can do this, and my, <laughs> my five can do this. So, okay, well, let's have them bring the ball up the floor against our point guard. Right. Yeah. See, we have a position. So, <laughs> yeah, no, Definitely. But I like the Hawaiians for that. So, so is that that kind of goes in leads in my next question? Is that kind of what the the mayhem style is for you, or in terms of you know we fell into this by complete accident? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I you know growing up I loved UNLV. My favorite team was UNLV. I had you know Larry Johnson and and um, Stacy Ogman and Greg Anthony and those guys. They right. were, that was like my favorite team. And then when I got into coaching. My favorite team to watch was Virginia Commonwealth when Shaka Smart was there, and they had the system called Havoc. Right, yeah, And what a lot of people don't know was before Shaka got there, they had a coach that was doing the same thing, and they were making deep tournament runs, but he never branded his program. And so, you know, he moved on to another job, and Shaka came in, and he branded it. And I thought, man, that is the smartest thing. So we um, branded our system Mayhem our first year not knowing what it was going to become. I just like, you know, hey, we'll call it this and we'll recruit to it and hopefully, you know, it catches fire. Well, we were man to man. We would press on dead balls sometimes and stuff, but okay. we weren't we weren't what we are now. Right. My assistant was a, a buddy of mine. We had played um, a little bit of pro together and we had known each other since we were 16 years old. And so um, he came up to coach with me and when he came up, he had like all these, you know, ideas that he wanted to kind of implement and, um, one of them was he wanted to put in the amoeba defense because okay. he had watched a 30-second video of Tarkanian the shark. With a, cha- a championship production thing on like YouTube, right? So right. I've like, seen that no same way. video. We're not running that. <laughs> we are going to go man-to-man. We are not doing that. And he said, well, let's, let's put it in on out-of-bounds place because I think it'll mess with people. I said, right. oh, that's an awesome idea. So we go to, we have, um, it was after the first year, we have eight new players, um, and we take them to Kansas State who's like two years removed from winning the Big 12. So I'm thinking if we take this brand new team into Kansas State, I mean, we didn't even have matching warm-ups. We had like two balanced <laughs> warm-ups and we had just got Nike, wow. Nike jerseys, right? That's crazy. So, I, I, I go into the game and I'm like, hey, man, if we lose by less than 30, <laughs> let's take the girls out to, um, <laughs> to barbecue dinner. and we'll have a great night. Like, you know, a 28-point loss is going to be a victory for, for us. So we're warming up and, and everything, and they come out, and it's just like two totally, they look like, you know, aliens. Like they just were so, you know, superior looking to us in our right. New Balance warm-up. So 
we the first play of the game happens. It, um, they they win the jump. They come down. It goes off our foot or whatever out of bounds. They run an out of bounds play, and we go into amoeba. And we get a steal and we get a layup. And okay. their coach calls a timeout. And so I'm thinking like, all right, let's mess with them. Um, you know, out of this timeout, let's just stay in amoeba, and we'll just do this one possession of amoeba. Right. Well, we get another steal. We get another layup. They call another timeout. So we're oh, up wow. four to zero. So I, t- I tell my second assistant, I'm like, take a picture of the scoreboard right now. We're, we're up four to zero against Kansas State and put that on our social media. And so, so long story short, we stay in Amoeba. After that second time out, I'm like, let's just push the with this. It can't get any worse. It can't be. Oh, it's, this is going to be great. So we go into halftime and we're up eight against Kansas State with like a team that does not belong on the same floor. So, oh. My assistant's like 6'7", 260, and we're walking through the tunnel, and he picks me up off my feet. He's like, hey, man, we're going to have to beat Kansas State. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, holy smokes. So we go in there. We don't really have much to say at halftime. Like, I'm just, you know, we're going over some rotations because we did practice amoeba like that. And um, we end up losing the game by four, but... Oh. We think like we cracked the code at this point, you know, like <laughs> like we just we figured something out that yeah. we didn't think was going to work, and we kind of just built it along that year, and then we started getting ranked in the top twenty-five, and we get beat in the national tournament, and this is kind of the other part of the system where we get beat by this team, Cal Poly Pomona actually beats us. We were an eight seed; they were the one seed. Okay, and they, they beat us, pressing us in a two-two-one that I felt we were more athletic, we were faster, and they kind of had some bigger players, you know, like kind of like a true three-out-two-in type offense type of team. Right. And I thought, man, if we could do that with our players, we could dictate the tempo if we wanted it faster or slower, depending on, you know, how we would do those rules. So we put in a 2-2-1 run and jump and right. um, off of makes um, and, and free throws, and it changed our life changed my life you yeah. know i mean we we're since then we're 185 and 17 that that's, yeah, that's not bad that's that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty good, good. <laughs> I, i'm not gonna lie that's that's pretty good and, and it's funny you say that 221 we actually um when i started coaching at the the high school with coleman um we we implemented the 221 first thing that was we call it 75 so we don't necessarily trap right when the ball comes in we let them get the ball in we force to the uh what we call the uh the, the sideline or, or the alley we push him there right. and then the 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 off guard goes middle and we kind of work him until they throw the ball over the top and then that's when the pressure comes um and then we hit him you know our our five who's in the back meets him at the three-point line locks him down then you just get this huge amount of pressure in the corner and usually teams just freak out they're just like what the hell's going on because right. it, they don't know what to do but you know, it's funny you bring that up. We come from a, a very high pressing situation. We're here in basically the Central Valley where Fresno State is. So I grew up um, with Tark and hearing about the Amoeba and the teams with Gumby and Chris Heron and, you know, Court, oh, was it Courtney Alexander? I think that was a guy. And yeah. Terrence Roberson. Ray yeah, Ray yeah. for Austin, Terrence Roberson. So all these guys, you know, I grow up selling arena watching these guys play and saying, man, Jerry's, you know, he's biting the towel and, 
You know, it's just it's just interesting to hear someone say, hey, you know, this is the thing that, you know, I saw, you know, this short film on and we implemented it and we had some success. So it's always exciting to see kind of where the inspiration comes from and those experiences that develop from that. And I, I think, you know, obviously, like you said, your, your record speaks for itself. You tweaked it a little bit. Um, you branded it. And now, I mean, it's it's well on its way for sure. Yeah, I mean, well, it was like I said. So many people say, you know, well, what you do, what you do. Well, we we uh, kind of rolled the dice on a couple <laughs> plays, and it worked out. And we were like, holy crap! You know, we got to do this more often. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's been um, you know, it's it's been a good ride, and you know, we've had a lot of good players obviously come come through with that, but. Um, you know, it's now how I understand basketball. You know, I, yeah. you know, I, we we work on man-to-man stuff. You know, at, um, every practice. But um, you know, in terms of like when I watch basketball for my job, when I'm watching game film and stuff, that's how I look at like, okay, this is how we could stop this team, and I'm only thinking in terms of amoeba. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know, we're going to switch it up just a little bit because we, we talked about this in our first episode. We want to have a little bit of fun. So we talked about what our biggest pet peeves are in coaching, what drives you insane. Um, for us, my bad was definitely on, like, number one on our list, um, the my bad from these guys that we get and some other stuff. So we wanted to kind of hear what are some things that kind of drive you insane um, when you're coaching them or at practice or whatever, wherever that may be. Um, the biggest thing for me is just like poor effort. I, I'll lose my mind if, um, you know, we're running a line or something or, or we're, you know, they're in a game and they, they get beat and they don't hustle back or they make a mistake and they, they pout. Right. I will, I will absolutely go ballistic. Um, but, um, you know, in terms of like little habits, I, I tell the ladies, you know, um, I guess it's off the floor. I can't have breakfast with them on the road. <laughs> I, I I can't be around eighteen to twenty year old, twenty two year old girls at eight o'clock in the morning. I I have found that that is my biggest enemy. <laughs> so I, I go find my own coffee place and I have my happy time. You know, with the donuts and coffee, yeah. and then I can be back and be in a good mood. That's awesome. Well, I was telling Coach, I actually, my first um, my, my first big high school job, I, I coached JV boys for two years at a smaller school, and then I went to a bigger school when I was doing my student teaching because I'm a teacher, and they, they gave me the freshman girls job. So I actually coached freshman girls, and man, I'm going to tell you, that was the biggest adjustment to my coaching I've ever had. Like, I, I was telling Coach, like, in, the, in tryouts, I had this girl, they were, they were, we were doing a passing drill, I forget what we were doing, and this girl's like, Coach, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit her, and I'm like, whoa, why? And she, she was like, well, she's throwing the ball at me hard. I'm like, she's supposed to. Like, what's happening right now? And it was just like one of those things because the emotions are a little bit different. I mean, I loved coaching girls. They're so much more tougher than I tell my boys all the time. They were some of the most tough people I've ever coached in my life. Um, but it's just a different, different type of coaching I feel like you have to do sometimes. Yeah, definitely. You know, when I coached, uh, men, it was, you know, you had to, like, establish, like, alpha male, you know, like, you had to let them know, like, you, you had to be on fire all the time, like, and, and let them know kind of who's boss and that you're not going to break this play off by yourself and, you know, right. do that kind of stuff. 
girls, they, they're, they, they want to do the right thing so bad, they might pass up a shot just to complete the play, yeah. you know? Um, okay. So, yeah, that's that's the hardest part. And just kind of managing, the, there'd be some games, you know, I'd be I'd be really on a on a on a kid, and you know my assistant would come up to me. Hey, she just broke up with her boyfriend. So you kind of just balancing that part. But you know, I've I've really enjoyed it. Um, it, it, it I never saw myself going down. Um, the, you know, on the women's side, or going down this road on the women's side. But um, I've I've really enjoyed it, and I've met some really good people because of it. Good. Definitely. And, and, you know, I haven't had that experience yet, but um, I, I played for a very long period of time and um, I attended St. Mary's College up in the Bay Area and we had a women's team. I was on the practice squad and I realized just how challenging it is from a cerebral point of view. I, I think that, you know, in terms of X's and O's, there, there, there's a lot more thought that goes on than just letting your athletic ability take over. And that's just something I sensed as just a player is that I'm going to get backdoored if I make a mistake. And I think that right. on that side of the game and when you look at the women's game, it, it, it's a little bit different game because the cerebral aspect, I think, is is extremely profound. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just what what I've thought just playing but I, I picked up on it very quick that you can get embarrassed really fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, I, I, you know, I, I've talked with other coaches about this before and it's been discussed, you know, do you think that the head coach of a women's team has more impact on the outcome of a game than a men's team does? Hmm. And it, it's interesting because with, with men's basketball, there's the, the pool is so much bigger. You know, you go to any open gym, you drive past any park, maybe there's a girl playing with the guys, right. but there's rarely, it's like finding a needle in a haystack yeah. if you go by a park and there's 10 girls playing, right. right? So they don't grow up playing as much basketball, and then you have the game that doesn't exist above the rim, and you, right. they can't make, this, um, they're not going to be making decisions in the air as often. Um, as as the men do, so there's less one on one where you can just kind of be like, hey, we're just going to set a high ball screen and you kind of go do your thing and make right. something happen. Right. Yeah. Where uh, you know the women's side, we're running like false action into like a set that has four or five different options, and I'm praying to God one of those works out. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, it's you know, if you're a really good women's team, a woman's team, you. You have a couple players that can kind of go make their own play. We've we've had those types of players that kind of break people down and, and create their own shot. It's just not um, you don't see it as often. So I think yeah, you're right. Like they're looking for other ways to score. Exactly. And I think one thing on the women's side that they do a lot better than the men's is they use their left hand a lot better than the men's side does. Um, I remember as a player, if you could get up by the rim as a guy's player, you don't really have to use your left hand. I mean, right. you go up there and just kind of flip it up with your left hand, right? Right. Well, a girl a girl is 5'7", girl, has to shoot that puppy up there a long ways, and they're falling over, or they have to put spin on it. I've just been really impressed with the way women use their left hand in basketball. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, and I think that, you know, like you said, it, it, 
it, you have to be in a situation to really appreciate, you know, the level of skill that you're seeing. And I think there there are so many people out there that just have preconceived notions of how that game is played, um, and that there's there's this huge difference. But you know, in playing and and, and experience that firsthand, you, you you quickly gain a great deal of respect. When, when you see just how things are handled in different situations and different positions that you're put in as a player, you're just like, wow, like I didn't even see that coming. Um, so I think you touched yeah. on a great point. Um, and, you know, we don't want to keep you too long, but I, I definitely, um, you know, with us being a new podcast and, and, you know, we haven't coached at that level and it's, it's great to have you on, but um, what would be your best advice for young coaches out there that are trying to start a career in basketball whether it be high school, whether it be the collegiate level, what what would your advice be to them? Um, if they want to get into coaching? Yes. Um, I would just say, you know, try to learn as much as you possibly can, um, you know, about a couple of things. One would be how best to teach the fundamentals of basketball and that you don't need tennis balls and all this other kind of stuff right. to get yeah. that kind of stuff done, you know, and then um, study an organization where, and it doesn't even need to be in basketball because for what we do, we we didn't copy our culture after any basketball team. Okay. Any kind of organization that you really respect the leadership and try to instill those values in your team and reward them when they do those things that you're seeking um but that would be my biggest advice and just kind of like you know watch for the leaders on your team try to get to know them invest time in your superstars um because those are the everyone will rise to the level of of them and i think that's kind of how you create culture but i think those two things and learn how to teach the fundamentals of the game because if you have some good fundamental players x's and o's that to me is pretty secondary. Um, play, players over plays. That's what I would say. Awesome. Um, so I've, you've obviously had a ton of success and we were looking at it. And for us, like we, me and coach, we actually brought back a program that hadn't made the playoffs for like eight years. And then we made the playoffs for the first time and everybody was all happy. And then we got our ass kicked in the first round, but Hey, we made the playoffs. So it was, <laughs> it was a good, it was a good experience. And then that next year we actually brought a lot of guys back, but we actually found that it was, it was challenging to get those kids like motivated because they were like, well, we made the playoffs last year. We're good. And it was one of those really, it was, it was hard for us. We did everything. We did team dinners. Like we always do. We did, you know, let's go bowling together. Let's, let's figure this out. Let's try to get like us motivated. We tried different coaching techniques and styles and it just, it was a hard, hard year. We ended up, we missed the playoffs by one game. We lost on a buzzer beater and that's how we made out of the playoffs. But um, how do you keep your level of yourself motivated and your team motivated every year? Um, for, for me, it's because, uh, to keep, to keep myself motivated, um, you know, I think we're at a point now where when we talk about a national championship, that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, and that's something that hasn't been done here. And so for me, that's what I'm, what I'm trying to do. But, um, um, but, but for, for our team, it's that they're at a, we're at a point now where I just tell them, don't screw it up. There's been six consecutive teams. This is the record, you know, whatever. We haven't lost a home game in four years or whatever it is. 
sure I know those things and I let them know, like, yeah, you know, we have done these things, but just because you put this jersey on doesn't make you Superman. It's not a cape. Right. You know, there there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that you that, that came before you that you get to wear that jersey now, and now you've got to earn it. So, um, you know, we, we really build it around, like, work and that um you know that that we don't want to be the entitled team that because you know we're resting on our laurels there's this great commercial of christian leitner and he's with all these studs like Shaq and you know some other really great 90s college guys Mm -hmm. and christian leitner is in a hammock and all the (laughs) other guys were really really good nba players but he's in a hammock made of nets that he won in college and he said well what are you doing he's like i'm just resting on my laurels and um I, I, you know, we we kind of talk about, uh, about about those things, but we've set our culture after um, the Navy SEALs. So I I've read as many books as I can about how they do things, and the kind of standards that they hold themselves to, and that you know we always want to talk about. You know, it doesn't. No one cares what you did last year. Right. No. No one. Nobody cares. I don't care. You know, the kid the kid that's coming in that's a freshman. She, she sure doesn't care. Right. You know, it's going to be what you do this year. That is your legacy, and especially with your seniors. It's what your seniors leave. That's what people remember them for. It's not what the seniors did their freshman, their junior, you know, their sophomore, their junior year. It's how they left the program. And I think that's a that's a really big thing that I think our, our ladies take a lot of pride in, is that they all want to leave their, their legacy and that there's such a good camaraderie on our team that, you know, our underclassmen want to send those gals off with a, with a ring, right. you know. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's kind of how we've set that tone. It's good stuff, Coach. Great stuff. And, and you know, thank you once again um, for coming on the show with us. I, I, like I said before, you know, you've done an, an exceptional job um, you know, in the nine years, I believe it's nine years, correct? Yeah, this will be my ninth one, yeah. Yeah, in the nine years you've been there, you, you definitely have had um, some great success. You, you can definitely tell that, that your program, number one, has an identity, uh, and number two, you know, is, is going to be something that, that, that lasts the test of time, and there's a lot of longevity there. But we definitely appreciate you coming on. We appreciate your time. Uh, we wish and we, we hope nothing but the best for you and your team. And what is it? Still light outside there, my guess. It is. Yeah, <laughs> <it's definitely> <laughs> <tennis>. <laughs> but uh, we, we just really do appreciate it. And uh, we hope that, you know, maybe in the future we can have you come back on. We will be definitely uh, following you and your team. And, and you know, last question for you. You know, I, I, while I have you on the phone, what's next? I mean... Not saying any big plans, but I mean, what are your aspirations in terms of the future? Uh, you know, five, ten years, twelve years, fifteen years. You know, I um, I used to want to be. I wanted to get the biggest, best job and um, compete with you know the Gino Oriemas and stuff like that. And right. um, I've just learned to kind of sit back. You know. Um, you know, as a head coach, you're the guy in the uh, merry-go-round that, you know, your players are on there and your assistant coaches get to be on there with them. And as the head coach, you're kind of looking, you know, four years in advance and four years, 
you know, behind trying to learn everything and you're pressing the green button and the red button letting people off and inviting people on and you can't be in the moment. Right, yeah. right, you know? definitely. So, um, you know, for me, I've tried a little bit more to, to try to be in those moments and, and spend, you know, time with my family because, you know, along with that success, I've had to sacrifice a lot of time. Yeah. And I've, especially during this COVID part, you know, I've just learned that to really value the time with my kids and with my wife and, um, you know, I, my, my biggest aspiration right now is to bring back the great Alaska shootout on the women's side. And we're working really hard to do that. That's and, awesome. um, you know, if, if I end up coaching division one someday, um, it'd be great because my staff can be bigger and I can coach with more of my friends. Feel free to reach out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, right now I'm happy and, um, I just, there's been so many stories and so many things that I've seen, especially on the men's side where, you know, you got this guy and he's at this elite division two job and they're killing it and he's making good money and he goes on and he gets this really big job and it's just not a good job. You know, right. it's not a it's job. Not right fit. Yeah. And it's, it's like, that was the end of the road. And he ends up being, you know, a third assistant somewhere making, you know, 30 grand just trying to get by because he is, that's what he is. He's a coach. And you ask him if he could go back in time and he would have never left. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'll only leave for a job that I believe that we could win, you know, at a high level. Um, but like I said, I'm pretty happy right now. So. Good deal. You got a lot of coaching in you, Coach, and, and I can hear the passion. I can hear the desire that you have uh, for your team and that community. I definitely can hear it. Uh, thank you very much. All right, Coach, thanks for coming on with us, um, and uh, good luck, and we hope you get that national championship soon. Hey, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, you guys, and uh, good luck with the podcast. All right, thanks, Coach. Thank you, Coach. On the next episode of Beyond the Bounce, we'll be discussing losing. We've all been there, some more than others. We're talking about down 25, second quarter buzzer goes off, you're staring at your assistant, and you're like, what the heck do we say to these guys to make sure we don't get blown out by 40? Got you on the next one. We appreciate it. We're out.